You're listening to Soul School with Laura Coe and Kevin Kaiser. On this show, we dive into life's biggest questions. Who are we? What are we here to do? And how can we fearlessly live as our truest, deepest selves? Soul School is the spiritual education you never received. So if you're ready, join us as we explore together. Soul School is in session. Welcome to this week's episode of The Soul School. I'm Laura Coe, your host. Today I was joined by Coot Blackson. Coot Blackson is an author of the book, The Magic of Surrender. He has come on The Art of Authenticity several times, and he has now joined us on Soul School to talk about not only surrender, but the energy of life, how that works in flow state, what it means to let go of the ego, what the ego is, we went. And Coot, the joy of listening to him talk is one of my favorite things about having him as a repeat uh, interview from the previous show, The Art of Authenticity, and now a new guest on The Soul School. So a big thank you to Coot, and please check him out. And you could find him at cootblackson.com and go to Amazon to purchase The Magic of Surrender. Thank you guys for listening. Welcome to this week's episode of Soul School. I'm here with Coot Blackson. Hey, Coot, how are you today? Great, thanks. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. I, we were just talking before the show and I reminded Coot that this is our third or fourth round and I was excited to have you back because every time we connect, I just find your conversations are so soulful, so felt. It's like, there's something about the way that you discuss these topics that it touches me. And so I am excited to share that with the audience. Um, you're launching a paperback version of The Magic of Surrender, um, a book that's been out. And before we jump into that, I was hoping you could share a little bit with me again, but for the listeners who haven't heard it, I'm so intrigued by your story, what got you into self-help to begin with. Your your dad, your 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 you can give the the shorter version, the longer yeah. version, whatever you want, but, <clears throat> but what sort of brought you from uh, a sort of religious upbringing into self-help and and the world of that you find yourself in would you share a- yeah sure like my my first memories as a young boy um look i was born in ghana west africa my father's from ghana my mother's japanese i i grew up in london and yeah, a lot of people would say my childhood was a bit unusual but for me it felt quite ordinary and i didn't know anything else so i felt everybody had my childhood and everybody could relate until I found out that well, not everyone exactly went through what I went through. And so my first memories as a young boy was really two things. Uh, the first thing was I always felt a deep, I felt people very deeply. And so there was a very empathetic uh, part of me that wanted to alleviate suffering in some way. I just didn't know what that would look like. Um, but I, I, there was an impulse to, 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 help um <clears throat> but my first memories was being lost in the crowd <clears throat> and i remember seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor she picks up the sand the gravel that this man walks on wipes it on her face and stands up and so week after week i would see blind people see and deaf people hear and 
people stand up out of wheelchairs and the same man whose gravel sand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair, put his hands on them and say, stand up. And they would stand up and call it a miracle. Um, somebody would come in with crutches and he would say, throw your crutches away. Or somebody would come in you know, sight, not able to see. And he would touch their eyes and sight was restored and people were happy. And so I grew up around, yeah, I grew up around these miracles, but I didn't feel it was unbelievable. I, I, mm. It's all, it's honestly, it's all I knew. So it, it wasn't anything special for me as a kid. It was, yeah, you go to the grocery store, people come in with wheelchairs, they walk out able to walk then you go play soccer then you go have dinner and somebody comes in they, they can't see and they walk out see it was it was I didn't know any better and I think on some level that was a blessing because there was nothing special about it and and so I grew up with a sense that there weren't limits like this was normal everything was possible you know and 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 I think that was more of a blessing than thinking it was anything special and so as a young kid my father, you know, this man was my father, and he built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. He built a huge church in London. And I call him a combination of like T.D. Jakes, you know, the, 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 the sort of TV evangelist minister, yep. Yep. And, and Muktananda in India, the Siddha Yogi, yogi mm. uh, a kind of combination of these two because he would touch people and they would fly across the room, kind of like a Shaktipat type of situation. But my father went to India in the 60s to the Himalayas, unbeknownst to anybody, because it wasn't really a Christian thing to do, and, and had what many would consider an enlightenment experience, you know, an awakening. And so he came back to Africa kept his churches, but reformulated a lot of his philosophy without telling anyone, just reformulated things because the church in Africa was a framework that people could understand. And so he just transitioned, I think, deepened his, his teaching into a much more mystical mm -hmm. philosophy on life, that Jesus wasn't just this guy that came and died for your sins. And if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to some hell in some far off land it became more about Jesus realized his true nature, his Christ nature, his Christ consciousness that we all have access to within ourselves as we let go of our, you know, illusory sense of self-identification. We tap into that true nature that has always been there. That is the foundation of what we are. And that is the Christ nature of our true, that is our Christ nature basically. And so I grew up in this this very mystical metaphysical philosophy, which I think was a blessing. And yeah. the mother who was Buddhist, so I grew up meditating with her, going to church on Sundays, and uh, um, wow. and so at age eight, yeah, at age eight, I began to. So I never grew up thinking like, ah, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell. It was more like hell is a state of consciousness. Yeah, not just some far off location with this guy in the sky with a beard that's looking at you, judging you. Hell is a state of consciousness, and and yeah. you know from the sense of being uh, believing in your sort of illusory nature as a separate egoic identity, like that is hell. Believing in your limitation, that is hell. You, you don't have to die to go to hell. Heaven and hell is a state of consciousness and the kingdom of heaven is within. So I grew up in this, it, it was very natural. Like the kingdom of heaven is within, it's, it's inside of you, like heaven. 
consciousness, Christ, Buddha, like whatever you want to label it, is an inner state of being. Yeah. And and that was a real blessing for me as a kid. So I didn't know anything differently. And even though we went to church, my father's philosophy was was at least in Africa and in London was a, was quite advanced in a metaphysical way. And uh, so would you say at like age eight? Sorry, I just want to ask one question about that. Like you were so from a young age, you would say that you already had that knowing what you're describing um, sort of infused into the fabric of your being from childhood. This wasn't something you had to even stretch to come into, or would you say that it was placed there and you developed it, it over your life? Because lifetime? I grew up, you know, look at age eight, the truth was I wasn't that interested in spirituality and church and <laughs> I was wanting to play soccer, but, yeah. because, but because I grew up, it was like osmosis, you know, I was just yeah. Yeah. in this ocean that it was just water all around. And it was like, yeah, you know, sure. The things I do, you can do these things and more. I heard the quotes of my father quoting Jesus. The things I do, you can do these things and more. And and so, it, it was just kind of normal, matter of fact, you know. So so I didn't think about it as anything special. Yeah. I didn't really give it much thought. It was just like, yeah, swim, water's wet. Yeah, I, the kingdom of heaven is within. Yeah, you know, I. I <laughs> It, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't like some epiphany you know and and, sure. and so and, and and that's why i say it was a blessing like it wasn't like this thing i had to struggle to it was just there you know and and mm-hmm. and i'm really grateful for that like, like when you're a kid you don't realize but i'm really grateful for that that i didn't have to sort of unravel layers and layers of just conditioning of centuries you know and programming yeah. and so it yeah, really is a blessing, Coot. Like yeah. so few people have that right opportunity to start with that level of of a clean slate of of belief in yeah. the energy of oneself. Yeah. And so yeah. from there, I remember you saying in one of our interviews that that um um your father's life was in danger and you had to mm. flee the country. Is that not oh that was before? Yeah. When I was age three, we I was was in Ghana. So ah. at age three, we moved to London because mm-hmm. my father was the spiritual advisor, you could say guru, you know, teacher to the uh, president of Ghana. I actually have the president, my, my official name on my birth certificate is the president's name. The president gave me his name because my father, when he first met the president, they were very young men, uh, the president's mother was basically uh, a member of my father's church. And so she brought her son, who was a lowly guy in the military, to my father. My father prayed for him and looked at him and he said, you're going to be the president of Ghana. He laughed. He's like, I'm nothing in the army. Sure enough, I don't know, a decade later, he was the president of Ghana. And so there was a coup in the 70s, the late 70s. And um, they killed the president. And they were looking for my father because they were like this. Mm. And my father happened by grace to be in London and he, you could say political exile. He couldn't fly back. And that's when my mother and I, my mother happened to be in Ghana with me. We had to flee and were smuggled into London, uh, into the UK and couldn't go back. And that's how we ended up in, in London. 
And uh, so, yeah. I didn't think I know. I didn't, I think I missed the the sequencing of it. The sequence. Uh, Oof, yeah. That's a lot for a three-year-old to take in. Um, yeah. I don't remember any of it, but probably impacted my awareness in some way, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and age eight, that's when I started speaking in my father's churches and my father threw me in the audience and said, speak. <laughs> and that began my speaking career. And I think at 14, and I would say from eight to 14 is when I became very curious, more consciously with trying to understand the deeper nature of reality and, and picked up my first self-help book. Um, it, it was by a woman called Shakti Gawain, all mm-hmm. about um, creative visualization. I mean, this is like the OG original, like before law of attraction. I mean, the, 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 these are like the OG kind of 80s books on think it and believe it and if you visualize it and then you can manifest the parking spot like this is way before the secret and all this stuff now but as an eight-year-old kid to to begin reading the simplest simple understanding of energy and visualization and thoughts become things and you know books like um i think it was james allen uh, as a man thinketh and and many of these books from like science of mind uh, Ernest Holmes and people like Joseph Murphy, people like Catherine Ponder, people like the unity teachings of Charles Fillmore that had a deeper metaphysical understanding of, of sort of life and, you know, Jesus's teachings. I, I just started devour the, devouring these books at age eight and, and I became obsessed, you know, and, and I'd sneak into my father's bookshelf in the middle of the, the afternoon or the evening and I would steal some of his books. Everyone from the folks I'd said to Osho, Krishnamurti, Ramana Maharishi, to uh, Uspensky, to Gurdjieff, to uh, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Mary Williamson, Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, <laughs> like these were like of heroes it. of mine, you know? Yeah and, yeah. and and at 14, I was ordained as a minister. Uh, I think we may have spoke about this last time, but I was basically ordained as a minister. My entire life was scripted out for me planned out for me um and i went along with it and every like literally hundreds of thousands of people in my father's organization they were happy but me and Mm. so i knew that this was not my path i knew that this was not my soul's destiny but i was too afraid to speak my truth and i think like many of us i allowed fear to to hijack my freedom and i went along with it got ordained and then four years went through a deep inner turmoil. And at the age of 18, I felt my soul calling me to come to America and renounce everything and leave everything and say goodbye. It was terrifying, but it took me four years to muster up the courage to just have that conversation with my father and leave. And, and when you say my soul's calling to make that change, right? We say that real quick, but it's that's deep, right? Like, I think we all have these these knowing somewhere within us but the, yes. the the mind is so loud and distracting and the voices of culture can like really just keep us from trusting in it what was that moment of because we're going to talk about surrender was that yeah. a moment of surrender was that a moment of what for you when well you, it wasn't a was moment there? of surrender because i resisted it for four years because when it was announced to the congregation in front of five thousand people my son is taking over with no no like conversation with me I knew that something was not resonating, Mm -hmm. but I was too afraid to to speak. And it took me about four years of like investigation. I tried to fit myself into being who I thought I needed to be 
in order to be loved and validated and approved and get my father's love. But after four years of this and feeling miserable and feeling like something is off inside of me, um, I just knew like what your soul sometimes, what your soul guides you to do will often not make sense to your mind. And what your soul guides you to do will often not be convenient. And what your soul guides you to do will, will be uncomfortable. And often, I think the reason it doesn't make sense to our logic and mind is because that deep intuitive guidance from our soul is arising from a dimension of our being that is unconditioned. It is, it is, it is unconditioned, pure energy that is moving as our intuition that doesn't fit into our current mind's capacity or limited logic that is based on past experience. And so when we are creating life from logic, from mind, from personality, from ego, it can be good, it can be lovely, but it is often limited because it's still in a reference of the mind, of the ego, which is based on past conditioning. And so I think if your soul's intuition makes sense to your mind, probably it's not truly your soul's <laughs> intuition. It's kind of not meant to make sense to right. your mind. I, right. I, I, I don't know. Right. And so if, if you're feeling like I, the thing that disconnects us to it is the mind gets engaged. Yes. And the ego gets engaged yes. to try to un analyze and understand, make sense of things like, what does it mean? What does yeah. it mean? What yeah. does it mean? How's it going to work? How am I going to get there? And we yeah. start the analysis and yeah. that over analysis is the ego strategy of trying to understand, to control, because we mistakenly think that if I can understand it, then I can control it, then I can be safe and I won't get hurt again like I was hurt when I was five, yeah. when I felt helpless and unknown. And so the intention of anal analyzing and control is a good one, it's just limiting. The ego, which is our perceived sense of what we believe ourselves to be based on mind, body, form, religion, conditioning, childhood experiences, memories, is, is its job is to protect us from getting hurt like we were hurt and so it's an it's a pattern that is a reaction from experiences that happen, and its job is to reinforce our existence, reinforce our sense of self. And yeah. so controlling everything, what does it mean? Where do we go? Trying to know what everything is, projecting into the future, trying to navigate, and it, it's just a strategy to try to keep us safe, you know. Yeah. And so that, that constant trying to understand is what blocks that flow. And so I tell people, you, you don't need to, the real freedom is you don't need to understand where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. There is an intelligence that knows that same intelligence that is living you, that is breathing you, that is beating your heart without any of your conscious intention or doership. That, that, that innate intelligence that if you cut your finger right now, it knows exactly how to heal you without any spirituality mm. without any right. special technique it knows exactly what to do that same intelligence that is functioning trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of cells inside of us knows what to do it's functioning yeah. the sun the star the moon yet we we often don't trust it and we're afraid which for reasons we can get into but i think the more we can just allow that energy to flow through us and not question and it's a practice to go the energy's moving and just act just i, I tell right. people, just 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 act <laughs> yeah just Turn left, turn left. Why? I don't know why. Turn right. left, turn right, right, turn left, turn right. And I think that's when we when we truly follow that flow is when we're truly being guided 
Yes. And that's when real magic happens. The challenge is we often listen to Siri more than we listen to our soul. Yeah. Siri says turn left. We don't question. Turn left. Turn, go over that bridge. We just go over that bridge. Turn right. Turn. But the moment our soul says, don't go there. Mm. Write that book. We're like, well, write that book. Why? Why do I want to write that book? And we, and the mind gets yeah. engaged as a form of control. So I think yeah. we have to understand the intention of the ego in that moment and, and just have a relationship with it, you know, anyway, I could go, but let me see. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, first of all, uh, dude, I love watching you go off. Like I, every time you come on, it's like one of my favorite things, like for anybody who's listening to, if you could just see his body language, he's just, you know, moving all over. And it's, it's so, um, it's so embodied and which is what, it, what I enjoy. It's coming from a place of, of true knowing within yourself, not, not intellectual knowing you're not speaking from your brain to me. You're speaking yeah. from your soul. Right. And, and, and mm. I feel that. And, and yes, like I, I, I want to go there. I mean, mm. you know, you say this stuff and I, I hear it and I live that way. I, I like, I like let this energy of self <laughs> move up and out and Except it's un, it's going to be an unknown to my mind, right? It's not an unknown to energy. It's just unknown to me. And 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 so I guess the first question is, right? Like how we identify with self. I mean, which version is the true me? Is it this energy moving up and through, or this brain that thinks it knows me, right? And so, do you have a a view on how to help people who identify so much with with the the mind that tells us who we are what is good for us i mean i know to keep us safe and in control yes. but also i i i think the biggest mistake is i believe it to be truly yeah, we, we believe me. it to be we believe it to truly be us like our beliefs our thoughts but the thing is our beliefs change mm. we believe shit you know we believe things from uh, from age 14 but that doesn't mean it's true and some of the things we believe at 18 we don't believe now yeah. And then some of the things we believe at age 22, we don't believe anymore. But at age 22, we were so sure that life was that way. So if you're your beliefs, but you don't believe that anymore, then what are you? You know, right. who, who, who the hell are you? Life is this way. Men are this way. I am this way. I'm not enough. I'm this. I'm not that. I'm this. I'm that. It's like, but they all change. And if they're constantly changing and we are so sure about that's who we are, then I think things are going to be very limiting. And so it's it's this sense of... So who are we then? I, I, right? yeah, that's, that's the question we have to be willing to question. We have been conditioned. It's conditioning. We've been conditioned to believe we are this, this self. We've been conditioned to believe we are this self, which is, let's call that ego. Ego is the sense of identification. Ego isn't a thing. The part of the, part of the challenge is we believe that ego is a real thing. Mm, and the right. more we believe that ego is real, the more limited we become. Like this is a cup. Okay, a cup is to a degree real, but ego isn't real. Ego is a process of identification. So I think when we can understand the nature of ego and the nature then of what we are and what we aren't, it changes your relationship with life and it changes your relationship with yourself. Ego is not a thing, it, but we relate to it like a thing. Got to annihilate it. Got to transcend it. Got to get rid of it. <laughs> right. Got to kill your ego. And the, right. more, look, the more you try to kill your ego, the more you fight your ego, the more you try to like 
batter your ego into submission, the more it resists because the more energy you give it, the more you tend to reinforce its, its existence and its reality. And the ego, it loves a fight because the more you fight it, the more real it becomes and the more it resists. And, and so I think uh, yeah, if we yeah. can understand that ego is not a thing and it's not really a problem, it's not an enemy. It is right. a process of identification. A bicycle is a thing, right? But, but pedaling is that process. And mm. so the process of holding, 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 which we have been conditioned and learned to do from a very young age is what ego is. And mm. the degree to which we believe ourselves to be what we're holding onto and all the things, I'm black, I'm white, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a CEO, I'm a big boss, I'm a billionaire, you know, I'm, I'm the Dalai, I'm Dalai Lama, I'm in like all of those stories and ideas and statements and concepts that we hold onto so tightly that gets reinforced by parents, grandparents, caregivers, education system, university, TV, social media, TikTok, university, religion, all of that tends to reinforce that sense of holding to, yeah, you are this, you're Jewish, you're Buddhist, you're Christian, you, you, you're not enough, you're not that. You're, it, the more we hold on, that's ego. And yeah. the more we hold on, the, the tighter we hold on, the less free we are. You know, mm -hmm. when we were born, as children, just newly incarnated into this human experience, we were free. Yeah. We didn't have all of these ideas about ourselves. We were just like, a kid doesn't know. A kid doesn't, a baby doesn't even know. I'm a girl. I'm mm. a boy. And everything that that means to be a woman, it, it doesn't know. Sure. It, it, it's told. You're a woman and you're a man. We're told you're black and you're white. You're yep. Catholic and you're Jewish. And this is what that means. And this is what this means. So everything about ourselves, we're constantly being programmed and told. So we're these free beings, pure energy, pure light, pure consciousness incarnated into this human experience. And that's when the conditioning process of identification begins. We meet our parents. God bless them. They're just doing the best that they know how to do based on their childhood and their conditioning. But now we're already born into a preset pattern of conditioning based on our parents and their belief system, right? And their grandparents and generational patterns of beliefs that we're now being indoctrinated into consciously and unconsciously, verbally and non-verbally from what we're seeing and observing around us. Maybe that is crazy. Maybe mom's an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe there's sexual abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse. Maybe our parents were amazing people, but they just didn't have the emotional capacity to meet our needs. And so the conditioning process starts from a very young age. And then we learn all sorts of strategies to disconnect, shut down, and not feel. We suppress our feelings, suppress our feelings, suppress our feelings as a coping survival strategy and mechanism and layers and layers and layers and layers of unfelt feeling begin to cover up our true light our pure you know essence right so so now our true connection kind of gets hidden underneath the the layers of unprocessed emotion and feeling that we've learned to suppress the function and survive and we erect walls around ourselves in order to shut down disconnect and not feel because it's too painful 
to feel dad beating mom. It's too painful to feel mom is not around. It's too painful to feel like my needs aren't being met and I feel helpless. And so because that is so painful, we, we, we become numb. We go into our, we disconnect from our body. Yeah. We disconnect from our heart. We go into our mind, overanalyze, overanalyze, kind of go all the way up here. It's like, well, if I can just understand, control everything and become this, right. this person, then, right. then I don't, have to, feel, then I don't right. have to feel the pain. And that's so right. now we get conditioned and we say, no, no, I'm just intellectual. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> in, I'm just independent, Laura. I don't, I don't really need anybody because I can do it. My, I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. I can uh-huh. do life myself. Yeah. I'm an independent person. And now we're not realizing that some of that over-independence is coming from a reaction from the pain of not having certain needs met. So now we hold so tightly to this persona. So we now develop a persona, a way of being, a mask, Mm. a role in the world. We become who we think we need to be to get love, validation, approval. We start contorting ourselves, our body, our energy, our nervous system, our psyche into a shape of who we think we need to be in order to get love, validation, and approval. And also in order to avoid the pain. So we become independent person, which helps us when we're five and when we're 10 and when we're 15 and when we're 20, but now maybe at 25 and 35 and 45, we're holding so tightly to the grip of this persona, what we truly believe ourselves to be, that is limiting our ability to connect. It's limiting our ability to open. It's limiting our ability to surrender and allow divine grace into our lives because now we're so wrapped up into an independent persona that our ego is like, I'm going to do everything myself. And so for the, for the, the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And the degree to which we're conditioned in this, shall we say, ego identification that we truly believe is who we are. This is why many times we'll say, no, this is just who I am. We have to be willing to question, Yeah, who am I? Is who I am who I really am? Yeah. Or is it just what I've been conditioned to be? But because we are so conditioned in ego identification, the job of the ego protects you from getting hurt. And the job of the ego is to reinforce its existence. And so to question oneself, this is why change is sometimes difficult. And this is why surrender, we often resist surrender, which is why we often resist enlightenment, waking up, liberation, freedom, uh, truly letting go. We, we're constantly resisting the divine all day long because it's the ego strategy of creating a sense of separation, separate sense of self, because that is what gives us the sense, the false sense of I am existing. Because surrender is a death for the perceived ego. Surrender feels like a death for what we believe ourselves to be. And if the ego is constantly trying to reinforce its existence, it doesn't want to change. It it, it doesn't want to question. It it doesn't want, it it wants everything and everyone else to change, but it doesn't want to change. And so this is why I think we, we tend to resist surrender and letting go because like, if I let go and surrender and, and, and trust the, Oh, I might, I might get hurt like I was hurt. Yeah, yeah. I might set myself up like when I was five and my knees weren't met. And so, so, so we so feel we, like we're gonna die, like literally. Feel like we're gonna, feel like die. We're gonna die. And what feels like it's gonna die is the ego, and the ego doesn't understand it's gonna be 
caught by the reality that we are just light and, you know, energy that wants to move through because it can't comprehend it. So it is dying and it doesn't understand that death is a rebirth of the true self. Right. But it's, yeah. it's in there that we, we get stuck. And so your book magic of surrender is all around this topic of surrender and surrendering into the, the knowing, right. Of who we really are. Essential nature is not the ego. Yeah. But, um, I yeah i think yeah. when we can realize yeah that we are not the thoughts and we're not those beliefs and we're not those ideas and we're not those concepts about ourselves then we realize that what dies or what what we are letting go of is not really what we are anyway yeah and i think if we can start shifting our relationship with oh what we are and what we're not it begins to free us up then we don't have to like fight ego then we don't have to like even, then we don't even have to make ourselves surrender anymore. Then we can, then I found right. you can just free yourself up to be with yourself exactly as you are, to mm -hmm. even embrace the resistance. And sometimes surrender to the fact that you're not surrendered right now, that even, even to just meet the resistance, knowing that you're not the resistance. Right. To, meet the res to meet the resistance with just complete acceptance and love. Like, okay, I meet you with love because that, that resistance is, 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 is well-intended, but it's not you. So right. I think if you can hold it with loving, with compassion, that's a deeper surrender. Mm. And, 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 and you start finding that the very mechanism that we believed was ourself as we just hold it with, love and compassion and acceptance can begin to to relax right and in, in that relaxation there's an opening in that relaxation there's a safety in that relaxation there's a loosening of the grip of our own ego egoicity right and and yeah. and, and that's when i think a deeper surrender can happen and many of our patterns and resistances can start naturally falling away and then we can bring the light of love and compassion to those human developmental aspects of ourselves, right? That, that are, are terrified and afraid. And I think that's when healing can happen. Yeah. You know? uh, and I think Ooh. healing is bringing loving to those parts of ourselves. Yeah, right, right, right. I, I didn't intend to ask this, but since we've gone yeah. so deep into it, I'm I'm curious, you mentioned you know, the energy that's incarnating through this life and, and what is the, your perspective on why we incarnate into a life? Like what is the, so we, we come in as energy and, and then we're met by the realities of, of culture and constructs and the challenges mm. of our family and all of this stuff. But, and then we come back to hopefully the surrendering into the knowing that we are the love energy, right? What's the point of it all that did your, <laughs> what do you think? Um, I would say, that the oneness that we all are, consciousness that we all are, an expression of, manifests itself as a multiplicity of form. And as it manifests itself as a multiplicity of form, maybe individuated as, as all of us, raindrops in this ocean, uh, to experience all shades and all aspects of itself to experience all possibilities 
inside of this exp experience and experiment to me that is that is existence that is life you know and so we are all i would say you know manifestations of of that essence of that consciousness call it consciousness call it we, we are we are souls that incarnate into this human experience you know on a simplistic level metaphorically i see life as a simulation i see life as a self-interacting simulation you know i like I, I like the title the new title you've come up with soul school that life is soul school yeah that as individuated expressions of the one consciousness we incarnate into the human experience which is really a soul school and as souls, we incarnate in order to learn, to grow, to evolve. We incarnate to experience all dimensions of existence. We incarnate in order to learn, grow, evolve, and to, through experiences, it, like all of life is kind of the, the university or the curriculum for our souls awakening and evolution. And ultimately, every experience, every experience, heartbreak, pain, betrayal, depression, you know, Everything at that deepest level is serving and conspiring our awakening. Yeah. You know, that, that the only thing really at that deepest level going on is our evolution and awakening to, to remind us, to awaken us to who we truly are. And so you could say the infinite or the infinity of what we are incarnates into the finite into this three-dimensional realm of duality. Yeah. And as we incarnate into this three-dimensional realm of duality, we don't incarnate in order to be limited. But it is freaking limiting here sometimes. <laughs> and, and it is challenging and it is heartbreaking. And it's sometimes yeah. it's it's yeah. a it's a MF, you know, it's it's yeah. it's, it's rough it's down rough. here. Let's yeah. be real. This is not a freaking cakewalk and it's not no. meant to be. We live yeah. in a world of interdependent polaric opposites. That is the nature of life. Interdependent polaric opposites that this world is a play. It's a play of consciousness. It's a play of existence. It's a realm of duality. When we can accept the nature of this dimension, then we stop seeking freedom and infinite peace and utopia in the world. It is physics. It's the, it's, it's, Plus, minus, up, down, good, bad, positive, negative, male, female, you know, right, wrong, left, right, blue, Democrat, Republican. It is the yin, the yang, it's the Tao. Yeah. I think when we can understand the nature of this dimension limitation, then it frees us up because the real, the real dimension of freedom is not out here, it's in here. And so you could say we incarnate into this realm of limitation and the limitation is not really meant to limit us. Mm. And if we're really locked into our egoic conditioning, but mm. in the simulation, this pressure of limitation, gravity and this and disease and suffering and pain and, you know, you can't freaking fly wherever you want, teleport and, and lockdowns and, you know, you know, COVID and all this, it's all serving. It's limitation that is pressing us because the whole point of this is, is, is to point us to awaken to what's real, to the infinity 
of what we are, which is not out here in the world. Yeah. It's inside, it's inside of us. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within. But yeah. we've been conditioned from our ego nature to 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 look out. The kingdom of heaven is in that Lamborghini. The kingdom right. of heaven is in is in, you know, having sex, great sex. Nothing wrong with it. The kingdom of heaven is in making a billion dollars. Nothing wrong with that. The kingdom of heaven is within. And yeah. so to me, that that limitation of this simulation is is forcing us to, 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 to awaken to the unlimitedness of what we are and it's serving that because there is no real freedom out here. We can't control much of what's out here. And so right. I think when we, when we understand the, the nature of this, the game, the play, mm. the play of consciousness, it, it, it changes our relationship to life yeah. and why we're here and the real purpose of life. And, so and how does how does surrender fit into flow right so so dropping in letting go of ego surrendering yeah we we touched on flow right mm. so this everybody wants to feel in flow they want to feel that ease they want to feel that like right like that that peace and 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 a sense of of their self um being embodied in in their life right but they they struggle with letting go of the ego dropping in I find it to be being in the presence of every moment exactly as it is, right? And not trying to to change it and, and letting go of future <clears throat> states and, and past ideas and just accepting yes, its presence, right? It. Yeah. Yes, to me, you you said it right there. Flow flow doesn't mean everything goes exactly as you want it to. No. You know, <laughs> because that's an impossibility when Impossible. you understand that life is life is life. It's up, it's down, it's the waves come, you know. Yeah. Flow doesn't mean everything goes the way you want it to because you visualized it that way. No, right. <laughs> no, that, that to me that that's that's not truly flow. Um, sometimes life can be going the way you thought you wanted it to, but you may not actually be in flow. You know, I mm -hmm. think true, true true flow is being. Wait, connected. back up on that because that's important. I heard it, but I just want to make sure people listening. What, what do you mean by that? Right, so. I think yeah, sometimes you get what you thought you wanted, but yeah. you're out of alignment. Yeah. Out of integrity. Yeah. You're bullshitting yourself, but yeah. you're 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 not evolving, you're devolving, but you got the thing, but but then it, you you you're you're yeah. off. Yeah. And so you're not you're not if, if you're not evolving, you're not in flow. And oh. I think true Ooh. flow is being connected to what you really are and who you really are and living in alignment from there. Sometimes you get what you want and sometimes you don't, yeah. but you're always in flow because you're growing and you're evolving through that experience, whether the relationship falls apart, whether you stay together or not, yeah. that's less of an issue of flow, but you're in flow because you're following the, the pure trajectory of that highest expression of your soul. And sometimes mm -hmm. that might mean you turn down that money because because you, the flow of, of energy in your soul is moving in a different direction. And you say yes. no to that. And that's flow. So flow is being, you could say, in integrity with your being, in integrity with your soul. Yes. So the, like the deeper I go, it's like the deeper I go, this is flow for me, an aspect of flow. The deeper I go, the less choice I feel I have. Mm. The, the freer I feel. 
Yeah, the, I feel the more, you. The more in ego I was, the uh. more choice we think we have. I, I can <laughs> do this and I can go here and I can do that and I can do all that. I can have, you know, sex with me, date all these people. The more limited you are. Uh-huh. And so as you go deeper, you get into the flow. There is a natural flow of things. Yes. There is a natural flow of life. And you within there it. Is, there is a rhythm. Yeah. And, and, and so the more we feel that, attuned to that, surrender to that, mm. the more in flow we are. And to me, that's the freedom. Like, thy will be done. It's like thy will and my will, that gap shrinks and shrinks. And all of a sudden, there's just that highest expression of life. Ooh. That's that's the flow. And I feel as though that is what ultimately we are all here to play in and realize. Sometimes we forget, you know, but but it's fine. But I think ultimately when my will, my individual sense of kind of dissolves and like thy will, which is the highest intention of life impulse, become like synced. Yeah. Now we are in true flow. Did you we just make that up? Thy will and my will? Did that just come out? Or... The wave. We yeah. become the wave. We did you just make one... that up in this moment or did you have that already? That was good. I'm just talking. <laughs> that was awesome. I love that one. I'm keeping And that's up. the freedom. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. so sometimes being in flow, you get to a point where you start realizing, mm, there's certain things I cannot do anymore. That's the Smoke, point, right? Like you have to that. say no to things that you think you want, but flow yes. is showing you another path. And there's a being in flow is not like, yeah, let me just, let me just uh, follow more money you know, or let me just follow that, take that easy choice. Or I'm in flow. I'm going to go with, with the flow. So I'm not, I'm just going to eat 14 tons of argan dust. No, I'm no. just going to smoke weed all night. Maybe it's no, it, that, that no longer serves the flow of where my soul is going. And so yeah. sometimes it means saying no to follow the real flow. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm building up the little soul school and um, things are going wonderfully. And that flow state speaks to me and, and I know I need to create right now. I know I need to move into a state of creation again where I'm gonna write again. And it goes against every bone in my body because intellectually as an entrepreneur, I built a business, you know, I had a, sold a company to a Fortune 500. The argument my brain would make is to stay where the business is building, right? Don't move an inch because it's working. But I know in my soul that this is going to be the path where it'll work even more, but it doesn't make perfect sense, you know, to my logical brain. It's just the the knowing and the trusting that something larger than myself and myself are co-conspiring towards something that I can't intellectually see yet. But every that's, time see, I do it. That's surrender. Yeah. That, see, see there, there is fake surrender. And there's real surrender. Mm, fake, tell me the difference. Fake, fake, this might bust a few people because I've had to bust myself. Okay. Fake surrender is okay. I know I need to do, I need to follow this path. I need to, I need to let go of this relationship. But you know, if I let it go, then XYZ will happen. That's if right. I let, if I yeah. let go, then it will come back to me. You hear, let go yes. to get it. And so there is a surrender with a projected agenda, agenda and attachment. It's a surrender with a condition. Yes. You're letting go, but you're playing this sort of, chess game with the universe to fill <laughs> yes. this condition. I'll let it go. I'm doing so it that so that I will get. I'm doing it so that she'll come back to me. That's right. That's right. right. But, but but we really are doing it with an agenda. That's that right. Is, that, that is fake surrender. 
real surrender is like, I know I need to let this go. It's a bit scary because it's working. You know, what I'm doing is working, but it's no longer working for my soul's evolution. So I will follow this path and I will let go. And I have no idea what's going to happen on the other side. Yes. And, and rather than you resist the, the temptation to project what you think is going to happen, because whatever you project will still be a projection from the past. Then you end up limiting what can happen. That's fake surrender. So what, what true authentic surrender is like, I totally let go. I totally embrace the unknown. I'm willing to not know. And I'm going to allow life in its intelligence to show me. I'm going to allow, allow life it's in, in its intelligence to reveal itself to me. That's where the magic happens. And that's often when you will end up in a place that you could not have projected and planned. And you'll, you will often say, I didn't expect this. You know, I couldn't have seen this from my nope. level of consciousness. That's true surrender. True surrender is like where you really don't know where you're going to land on the other side. But you, you trust the impulse that is pushing you. And look, let's, can we just take it out of the spiritual for a second? Yeah. There might be some folks that might be saying, ah, you know, all these folks, Eckhart Tolle, you know, Laura Coe, you know, Chopra, all these people, the yogis in the Himalayas, surrender, surrender, it's great for them. But does this stuff really work? I don't know if I want to surrender. Okay. Mm. This should be very base. Okay. Everyone right now, if you all look or reflect on your most blissful sexual experience. Let's not be spiritual for a moment. Let's just be like human. Think okay. about your most uh, a blissful, sexual, ecstatic experience with your lover. Think about that with this kissing, loving, that moment, that, that, that ecstatic expression with them. What made it blissful? Was it because you came to that lovemaking exchange? with an entire business plan notepad of 700 pages. Like, okay, okay, honey, sit down. And, and minute one, you're going to move 14 inches to the bed on the right. <laughs> minute two, you're going to kiss me this way. Minute three, we're, this is what we're going to do. Minute four, minute 18, I mean, that would be absolute freaking hell. But that's how we live life. Uh -huh. Part of why that, that, that lovemaking experience is blissful. It's because we let go. Mm -hmm. It's because we surrendered. Because we didn't know what the hell was going to happen. If every lovemaking experience, we knew exactly what was going to happen every time we made love to a we would just be all celibate. It would be so painful <laughs> at a certain point. We'd be like, you know what? I'm going to practice celibacy. Me and the monks in the Himalayas. But part of why it's so blissful is we don't know what is going to arise and it's just arising and we're allowing and, and there's an exchange and we dissolve and they dissolve and there's love that the energy is moving. And it's a divine surprise. Yeah. What, what if we lived that way? To me, yeah. that's the invitation. And that's why it's ecstatic because we weren't in control. We weren't trying to control. We were allowing life to show us and we dissolved. We got out of the way. That's the flow. There is a flow. If we're willing to be still and listen to it and tune into it and allow it. Yeah. Yeah. I think about creative flow all the time too, you know, as a business owner. And then now with this work, it's the same. I mean, whenever I've like really tried to get to the other side of something, right. It's like, 
it's terrible. It's, it's like, I just sit there and I get more and more frustrated and I'm wasting all this time and energy. It's the moments that I've always let go. Right. And there's this great book of, um, uh, daily rituals of all these, um, great, uh, authors or writers or creatives over, over, um, a hundred years or something. And they talk about their, their creative process. And it's always went for a walk in the shower, right? Like it's stuff where it's like, they're letting go, they're releasing, they're, they're um, not working at it, right? Um, they, they have lunch first and then they uh, go for a long walk and then they sit down, right? But it's, it's the letting, letting go of that control. It's the letting go where I always found, I had those moments of epiphany where I had the awakening to myself, right? And so my intention now is to stay there all the time and trust that that always works in all moments. And when I don't- The flow, the yeah. flow is always there. Always That's there. The it's the always- The flow is the always there. We're just sometimes not in yep. the flow. And, yep. and ego, you know, ego doesn't really want to be in the flow because, because when we're truly in the flow, that grip of ego dissolves. And, and so in many ways, we're constantly resisting the flow. Ego is constantly resisting the flow. Right. as And that's why it wants to be the doer. And that is, is part of the drive for control. If I can control everything, then I must be real. I must exist. Then if I control everything, then I, I am something. And, yeah. and it was Jesus that said, people talk about the flow, a miracle working dude. Jesus that said, it's not I, I, that does the work. It's the Father that does the work through me. That's the code. He knew that it wasn't him as an individual self. Like, yes, I'm the great miracle worker. Yeah. It was consciousness, the yeah. Father, the divine intelligence of life that, that does the work. And so I think the more we can relax and breathe and let go and get ourselves out of the way. And I think even if we just start with, okay, just, you don't have to surrender like 250% at once, but if you just, just take a moment to connect with your body mm -hmm. and just for a moment, just, just notice your breathing. If you just notice your breathing, you're like, well, I haven't been breathing and breath is happening. Mm. I'm not breathing. Like we're not sitting here in this conversation and going, breathe, breathe. Right. breathe. Like, like it's just happening, yeah. you know, it's just unfolding. And so if we just even bring our attention to the rhythm and the flow that's there already, we will start to get into relationship with the flow. And then breath is happening. And then we can start noticing, huh, without any effort of me, yeah. there is a pulse, there is a breath. What is that? What is that? In fact, I had a smoothie, smoothie this morning. How is it that my hand doesn't become a smoothie? How is it that my nose doesn't become a smoothie? Th right. There is an intelligence inside <laughs> that it knows like how to take this banana and strawberries and blueberries and you know protein and, 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 and trillions of cells know exactly what to do. If we yeah. can just tune in to the body and, and just observe what is that what what is that? just you don't have to come up with an answer but just like observe your own nature what is what is that that's doing that mm. that starts to shift also i think your relationship you know so you don't even have to like make yourself let go and surrender 
just notice the flow that is inherently there already and it starts to open something inside of you yeah completely right you just do so little to eat i mean you just put it into your mouth and chew and the rest is taken care of by something Absolutely. else i mean i Absolutely. i'm a mom i yeah, oh my god get past mom. it right it's like i would i read this little book every morning and it would say today you're making you know eye sockets and i'm like i'm making I'm not doing anything. I'm sipping coffee, right? So something within me <coughs> knows how to make an eye socket. Now, and that is crazy. It's that crazy. And I'm not crazy. doing anything, anything, nothing. That's crazy. Nothing. Like, yeah. If we really, like, how do we, Lord, how, like, me, myself included, like, how do we not trust? Like, literally, as a mother, here you are making a, a, a being, a life that is inside of your, like, this is, if we stop to think about this, now we walk around like, but but if we stop to think about it, like, I think we will be so in awe, yeah. we will not be functional, you know, right. like, like you're making eye sockets inside, you're making, you know, placenta and bones and, 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 and heart and sp fingernails, finger beds, everything. My son broke his wrist and to watch what it took the medical team to put it back, Right. But I created the entire thing without even an, a that? thought, without a what thought. I didn't even that? have to, I could sleep. What yes, yeah. what is that? I think if we bring ourselves into relationship with that dimension of life that is here right now yeah, and tune into that, feel that, it's humbling, feel that, yeah. it, it, it evokes a bit of surrender. But many times we don't meditate and reflect because the egoic resistance, you know, it's like, oh, I don't let let me let me not be in in, in awe or gratitude because when when we are, it, it loosens the grip of egoic identification, and so we often busy yeah, ourselves. Yeah. and and, and know, our education and, system, I think, um, translates in a way where it's like these things are taken for granted as just mm -hmm. how it is. I mean, yes, just yeah. sleeping at night, like, what are we doing when we're sleeping? Crazy. It's amazing. Crazy. You're spending Amazing. so much time in some hallucination in your bed. And what what is that, right? And yes. I mean, yeah. Kud, I could talk to you for hours. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. The Magic of Surrender book. I've read it. I loved that book. Uh -huh. I so appreciate your voice in this community. Um, it's such a special gift to spend this time with you again. If people are looking for you, where can they find you right now? What's the best? Yeah, a couple of ways. I would say get the book on uh, paperback. Um, yeah. You can get it on Amazon. It's on sale right now with a few updates. Um, if people want to know more about my work, my main website, my name, Kute Blackson, K-U-T-E, KuteBlackson.com. Uh, twice a year, I do a very special event in Bali where I take people through a 12-day deep dive of unraveling and unconditioning themselves. And so if you're someone who... You're ready to go to that next level and connect to your true self and share your purpose in the world. Uh, you can find out more www.boundlessblissbali.com. The next event, I think, is July the 28th through August the 8th. Uh, Instagram, Coot Blackson. Facebook, Coot Love Now. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Coot. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. And I really hope that you consider checking out the Little Soul School, littlesoul.school, where there's a community of people dedicated to soul growth, soul learning, and the Akashic energy. 
a space that holds all of our soul's histories, everything we've ever done in all of our lifetimes. Because they're looking for a deeper connection to themselves, a place to experiment and play with spirituality in a non-judgmental, vulnerable, open community of people. No woo-woo, no fluff, just fun and connection. Come check it out, littlesoul.school.